Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into the word, let's pray. Dear Lord God, I just praise your most magnificent name, Lord, and I thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to gather together to be able to partake in your word today, Lord God. Lord God, I pray and ask that you would open the hearts and the minds and the spirits of those that will be listening to these words, Lord God, so that these words would get planted deeply within our spirits and then come bubbling up any time that we actually need them, Lord God, without us having to think about the words to say. Lord God, I pray that you would take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and we are so delighted to have you here with us today. And if you don't have your Bibles, take a moment and pause this message. Go grab your Bible and a pen and, and a pad in case you want to take some notes or highlight some things as Holy Spirit so guides. And then come on back and resume this message so that you can see for yourself what the Word of God has to say about the topics that we're going to be discussing today. So if you have your Bible, turn and turn to the uh, book of Revelation. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to go to verse number 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may be able to see. Today, I want to talk about being all in for God. Okay, Being all in for God. Jesus is telling this church that they haven't picked the side. And he's saying, I wish you did pick a side. I wish you were either hot for me or cold for me, but you're not. You're lukewarm. You're middle of the road trying to play both sides of the fence. I wish you would pick a side. Back in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, God told Moses to let Israel know to choose a side. That he's laying before them life or death and he implored them to choose life. Jesus here is employing this church to pick a side because since you are neither one, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to violently expel you out of my mouth when you think about what it means to vomit. It's a violent expulsion of what's actually in your body that doesn't that doesn't belong. And so he's saying that you're lukewarm, you're middle of the road. And so therefore, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now, there are Christians today that live this kind of lukewarm lifestyle. They are sinners Monday through Saturday and sanctified and holy on Sunday. They go through the week just acting all sorts of in all sorts of ungodly ways, telling ungodly jokes, engaging in ungodly behavior and ungodly things are coming out of their mouths, going to the bars, getting drunk and going to work with hangovers and things like that. Probably not even reading their Bibles or anything or, or maybe praying, maybe not praying, or only praying when things are really bad. But then all of a sudden when Sunday comes around, there's a night and day difference. 
They're shouting a hallelujah. They're the first ones in the church. They're sitting up at the front row of the church. They got the biggest Bible in the entire, uh, in the entire congregation and they're singing and they're praising. And then next, you know, Monday comes back and all that stuff that they did on Sunday was gone. That's lukewarm. That's going middle of the road. That's putting your feet in both worlds. That's playing both sides of the fence. And according to scripture here, Jesus said that he's going to vomit us outside of, out of his mouth. All right. There are many Christians that believe that because Jesus hung out with drunkards and sinners, that we should be able to do the same thing or that we should be doing the same thing because we need to meet them where they are. And what they don't realize is that if you are not using Holy Spirit guidance and quote unquote meeting someone where they are, you end up acting just like them and you don't even realize it. And where you used to be hot for God, you start hanging out with these sinners too much and you're not doing it in a way where, where Holy Spirit is telling you to minister to them. You end up then playing both sides of the fence and you have this middle of the road approach because you've let them trick you into believing that their lifestyle is okay and that you can behave like them and that you should behave like them because if you don't, then you're demonizing them. Okay. Well, we as children of God, we don't demonize anybody. God loves the person and hates the sin. So if we are coming and talking to you about about sinful things and why you shouldn't do that and turn or turn to God, turn away from your sin, we're not demonizing you. We're simply telling you what the word of God says. And we're not going to allow ourselves to be influenced by those, those or we shouldn't be allowing ourselves to be influenced by those ungodly things because then that pulls us away from being hot for God and starts putting us in lukewarm. Where one minute we're hot, the next minute we're cold. Then we're hot and then we're cold and we keep doing that over and over again. Being lukewarm makes it difficult for us to allow God to shape us. And I kind of already talked about that because you, you, you can't separate out godly behavior godly speech from ungodly behavior, ungodly speech, ungodly thoughts. And those, those lot, those lines between godly and ungodly start to, be, start to become blurred. And the reason why it then makes it harder for us, for God to work on us is because we don't know which voice to listen to, or we don't know which voice is God's voice and which one isn't God's voice. You see, if we're hot for God, if we're hot for God, then we can allow God to minister to us and it's a easier for us to hear from him because all we want to do is please him. We want to make him happy. We want to do what he's calling us to do. So if we're hot for God, it's easy for God to uh, easier for us to allow God to deal with us because we're going to be listen for, listening to him. We're going to be listening for his every command. We're going to be obedient to his calling. If we're cold for God, even that's still easier for us to allow God to deal with us because we will easily be able to recognize when we need to turn to God. And we'll be able to recognize when we have gotten away from him. When you're lukewarm, you can't figure either one of those things out. You think about if you get into the shower, you turn that dial on complete cold and you stick your hand in there, you know exactly what to do. I need to turn the dial the opposite direction. If you turn the dial too hot, you know what to do. You turn it back the opposite direction. But when you're trying to find that sweet spot of the right temperature, it constantly takes micro adjustments. It constantly, you have to constantly turn it and put your hand in, turn it, put your hand in. Or if you just jump right in and you start trying to dial it in while you're in the shower, it's constantly take these micro adjustments to get it just right. But if it's hot or if it's cold, you immediately know. Lukewarm, you don't immediately know what that sweet spot is. If I'm hot for God, cold for God, I know exactly what I need to do. But if I'm lukewarm, then I don't know what to do. We need to make sure that we are all in for God. If we're lukewarm, as I said, it prevents us 
from realizing what God it is, what, what it is that God wants to do, do in our lives. Verse 17 outlines this. If we are lukewarm, we don't realize that we are not wealthy. We don't realize that we are wretched. We don't realize we're miserable and we don't realize that we're poor. But if we're hot for God, if we're hot for God, then we know what we need to do. And we know that we are, we do have our eyes open. We do realize that we are clothed. We do realize that we have uh, white garments. We do realize that we, we are rich in God when we are hot for him. Okay, we already have those things and we continue to hold on to those things. We continue to buy gold refined in the fire. We continue to do all those things that verse 18 outlines. But if we are cold for God, if we're cold for God, then we don't do any of those things that verse uh, verse 18 outlines. But we realize that we need to, you see? So that's the difference there. Where if I'm hot for God, then I know that I need to continue to buy that gold so that I can become clothed and, and I can become rich, etc. like that. All right. If I'm cold for God, then I know that I need to buy it because I haven't purchased it already. And if I'm lukewarm, I don't even realize it. Okay, that's the difference between being hot, cold and lukewarm. Hot means I'm continuing to do the things that God is wanting me to do. Cold means I'm not doing those things, but I realize it and I know what I need to do. Lukewarm is I have no idea which one is which because those lines are blurred. So to ensure that we are all in for God, there's several things that we need to do. The first thing that we need to do is we need to know the spirit that is actually within us. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And we're going to go to verse number 51. Luke 9 verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to, uh, to prepare for him. Because they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey, or excuse me, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And, his, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. You are of. OK, now when you're heading towards your destination, whatever destination God is sending you to along that journey, you are going to have some stops okay? or you're going to have some areas that you want to pass through. Whether you're just passing through because you got your eyes set on on uh, on the on the actual destination or whether you have to stop there for a season you will encounter some people that don't have your back. You will encounter some people that aren't ready to receive you or don't want to receive you. Jesus told his disciples that when you go into the city, that if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. So Jesus knows that when we are doing things for God, that we're not always going to be received. But when those people don't receive us, we still need to keep our face focused on the destination that he is sending us to. And whoever it is that we encounter, if they don't receive us, it doesn't mean that they're an enemy. It doesn't mean that they're an enemy. You fulfill your purpose and you move on. James and John here, we're looking at these people as though they were the enemy. And so now what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well, we see how they are. We see how they're acting. Do you want us to call some fire down like Elijah did so that it can, that it can, can consume them? And Jesus said, no, because you don't know that the, you don't know the man of the spirit that you are of. 
if we understand the spirit of God that's within us and we're allowing Holy Spirit to drive us and to, and to guide us and to, to guide our thoughts and our words and our actions, then when we come across those people that don't have our backs or aren't receiving us, we're not going to look at them and say, oh, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to have to rebuke you. No, we don't do that at all. We don't do that at all. Verse number 56. Well, I'm going to do 55 again. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Underline that in verse 56 if you don't have that underlined there. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. If we understand the spirit of God that is within us, then we won't wish for negative things to happen to those that don't receive us. Instead, we'll pray that God will open their eyes. Doing this will create an opportunity for their lives to be saved and not destroyed because it's not God's will for anyone to perish. And we should be praying accordingly. Okay, we should be praying accordingly. If we're all on one accord in the body of Christ, then we should be praying for those that come against us, for those that aren't receiving us. And, and, and also recognize that when you are talking about the word of God to someone, it's not about you. It's about God at the end of the day. So just because they may not be receiving the words that you have coming forth, it's not a reflection on you. It doesn't have anything to do with you. They're not ready to receive God. Now, granted, if you are bringing the forth the word in a way Holy Spirit wants you to bring it forth and not of your own accord, then if they reject you, it has nothing to do with you. It's the fact that they're rejecting God and they're not receiving God's words. OK, so don't take it personal. Fulfill your purpose there and then move on. But pray for them. Pray that God would open their eyes to see the truth. Oh, pray that God will open their ears so that they can hear the actual truth. Because Jesus said right there, the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So when we are talking to people, we have to have that same mindset. You might be coming against me and you might be saying some things to me that's really, really, really bothering me. But I need to say things to you that are going to build you up. I need to if I'm speaking about uh, against your sinful ways and your, your sinful lifestyle. I'm not doing so because I'm attacking you. I'm talking about the lifestyle. I'm talking about the sin. I'm talking about the action. I'm not talking about you personally. I'm not demonizing you. I'm not demonizing you because I dare speak out against the things that are ungodly. The things that God said are ungodly. Not another man, but the things that God is saying ungodly. If I'm speaking out against those things, I'm not demonizing you. And there'll be many, especially in the media, that would want you to believe that if you don't accept the, the, the ungodly ways and the, the um, ungodly lifestyles that keep getting promoted and they're getting pushed out on our kids and getting pushed out in the workplaces and everywhere that you go, that if you don't condone those things and if you don't accept them, that you are demonizing that individual and that you hate that group of people. And the reality of it is, no, we don't hate them. We love them the same way God loves them. But God hates the sin. Therefore, we hate the sin as well, not the individual. The person can be delivered from that sin. The person can be delivered from that lifestyle. And God is more powerful to be able to, more powerful than the lifestyle. If, if that individual is willing to surrender their life to Christ and turn their life over to Christ and to accept them as their Lord and Savior, they can watch as God delivers them from whatever that lifestyle is, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. God can deliver you from all of that. 
It's not demonizing anyone to call out those kind of things. It's not demonizing to speak, demonizing people when we speak out against sin. And we must make sure that we're doing so in a way that's going to bring life into the situation. That's not going to condemn anyone, but it's actually going to build them up to let them know that it's OK. God is more powerful than that. God is more powerful than that. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for you for, for all of us. Let me tell you what you have the opportunity to obtain if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the way we can talk to people. And doing that is not condemning anybody. It's not demonizing anybody as many would, would want us to want us to believe. Being all in also requires us to sacrifice. Staying in Luke chapter nine, we're going to continue on in verse number uh, 57 so, uh, sacri- um, being all in also requires us to sacrifice. Verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have uh, birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. OK, part of what we have to be willing to sacrifice is comfort. OK, birds and foxes have a place of safety that they can retreat to whenever they're feeling uh, whenever they're feeling unsafe, whenever they feel like harm is going to come to them. They have a place that they can retreat to. Jesus is saying here that he doesn't have a place of comfort. He doesn't have a safe place that he can go as he's going out here doing God's doing God's work. True surrendering means that we have to be willing to give up a place of familiarity to do what God wants us to do. To give up a place of safety to do what God wants us to do. And what I mean by a place of safety, I mean that 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 um, that place we go to, that feeling that we go to. Or maybe it's a physical, physical place like going home or something like that. That place where we can go and feel safe and and, and, and secure. And we know that we, we know what the outcome is that to expect because it happens over and over again. That's what I mean for, for, from, from a comfort perspective and, 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 and feeling safe is that I, I, I can go back to my, my normal routine when things in my life get a little bit disrupted. Okay. Or, 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 or the things around me start getting crazy and they start getting hectic. I have something that I can fall back to. That's familiar, familiar. That's comfortable. All right. We have to be willing to sacrifice those things when we're following God. Sacrificing those things allows God to then disrupt our routines. We're all creatures of habit as, as human beings. Even if that habit that we're doing is still leading to negative results, we know that the result, we know even though the result is negative, we know what to expect. So we keep doing the same thing over and over again. But if we're all in for God, we allow God to upset that routine, to disrupt it and to do something different and to do something new in our lives that's going to be uncomfortable, but the result is going to be better. And we may not know what that result is. And oftentimes we don't know what the result is. We just know and we just expect from our experience with God that it's going to be better than where we are right now. The word of God says all things work together for good. All things work together for good. For those that love the Lord, the called according to his purpose. So we may not know what that good looks like, but we know that it's good. And therefore, we need to allow God to disrupt our routines and get us out of our comfort zones. That's part of being all in. Verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. 
And he, and another said to, said also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. A lot of awesome and powerful things there that Jesus is talking about. All right. First and foremost, let the dead bury their own dead. What Jesus is talking about here in, in, in verse 60 is he's saying that, you know, those people that you're with, they're spiritually dead. Let them handle the physically dead. Okay. Let them deal with that. You don't need to be dealing with that. You need to go preach the kingdom of God because preaching the kingdom of God is what brings life into people's lives. The kingdom of God is all about life, ladies and gentlemen, children of God. It's all about life. It's not about uh, death and destruction and decay and, 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 and negativity and pain and, and sorrow and sadness. It's all about life and everything that has to do with bringing life and giving life. So when we're going out and we're spreading, we're spreading God's word, we are spreading life to those that we interact with. And it's up to them to either accept it or not. And what Jesus is saying is, there's no, you go talk life. You go to preach the kingdom of God. That's going to bring life into every single circumstance. Being all in requires us to put Jesus first and not other people or other situations because hesitancy will bring distractions. Hesitancy will bring distractions. In verse 61 there, he told, he told Jesus, I'll follow you. Let me first go bid farewell to those in my house. That's hesitancy. And see, Jesus didn't want him to do that. And the reason why he said, if you put your hand to the plow, there's no turn and, and you're looking back that you're not fit for the kingdom of God. The reason why he's saying that is because when you made the decision to follow Christ, you accepted Jesus in your heart and you said, I'm going to live a life that's acceptable to Christ and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow his example. I'm going to, 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 to model that to the best of my human abilities. I'm going to do that. You made a decision to leave certain people and certain situations behind lifestyles, um, things that you would normally do, hobbies, potentially relationships. That's the agreement that you made is I'm going to leave those things behind. Jesus knows. And Jesus knew that if this person went back to tell those people goodbye, that those people will be asking him all sorts of questions and he might miss the opportunity to follow and walk behind Jesus because they're going to be saying things like, why, why would you do that? You think about that when you when you, think about whenever you had someone, when you followed, decided to follow Jesus, then whenever you had someone and said, hey, tomorrow morning, we're all going to go hang out and we're going to go to the lake and we're going to do this and do that. And you said to them, nah, sorry, I can't do it tomorrow morning because I'm going to be in church. How many times they look at you and say, wait, what? You're going to church? Or they're disappointed because you won't go with them and, and, and participate in some sort of maybe a routine that you normally had. Maybe Friday night going out to the bars or going out to the clubs and getting drunk and doing all of these things. When you said, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. How many of them really truly understood and said, hey, OK, cool. Talk to you next time. Or do they maybe silently judge you and like, ooh. You, 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 why are you into this church thing? Why are you into reading the Bible? And why are you into this Jesus fellow? I mean, come on. We used to have so much fun going to the bars and talking about all of our problems and drinking our sorrows away and all of those, and all of those things. Those people, when Jesus calls you away from them, those people will try to pull you back. They will try to pull you back. And see, God is not going to keep you around people. He's not going to keep you around people that are going to keep you from focusing on him, 
unless you are spiritually strong to be able to resist it. So if he's pulling you away from people, he's doing that because he needs you to focus on him. And those people are going to distract you from focusing on him. Okay. Well, uh, scripture also talks about how blessed is the, is the servant that is ready, waiting for his master to come in from the feast, right? Because we know that Jesus is going to return like a thief in the night. So this is part of this is, is about us being ready and it's about us staying ready and being able to leave behind those things that would keep us from being able to focus on God. And we can't stay ready to serve God and to follow after Jesus and be ready for his return if we are still doing the things that we've done before, the things that we said we were going to let go. So looking back while we're working for, 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 for Jesus and while we're moving forward in him shows that we're not fit for the kingdom of God. Those are my words. That's what the word of God just said. We just read that. So we can't have our service, our service focusing on God and the world. We can't look back at our life before we were saved while trying to serve God. Looking back in this manner will make you return to your previous life, possibly, and then therefore make you unfit to serve in God's kingdom, right? And if you're looking forward, pushing forward while looking back, you start getting dangerously close to becoming lukewarm. Because the more and more you look back, the more and more you might desire to go back to that. And all it takes is for you to take one step back into that lifestyle to open up the door for the enemy to get in there and pull you all the way back, okay? And then how could you be fit to serve in the kingdom of God by doing that? Commitment to serving God is another requirement in order to be all in. Commitment to serving God is another requirement for being all in. Turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16. And we're going to go to verse number one. Proverbs 16, verse one. The preparations of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Okay. True commitment. It comes from our hearts. Okay. True commitment comes from our hearts. So when God is looking at us, he's looking at our hearts. He doesn't care how tall you are. He doesn't care how much you weigh. He doesn't care how much you dress. He doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care about your skin color. We hear a lot about skin color these days. He doesn't care about your skin color. He doesn't care about your vaccination status. He doesn't care about where you were born. He doesn't care about where you grew up. He doesn't care about who your family is. He looks at your heart. That's what he looks at. All right. When God told Samuel to, uh, that he had uh, set aside a king to rule after Saul, he told him, don't look at the outward appearance because I look at the heart. That's why David at such a young age was anointed as the next king, because God looked at David's heart. Commitment comes from our hearts. It doesn't come from, with our, from our minds. It comes from our hearts. Our hearts is what God searches. And full commitment to God is what allows us to control our thoughts by replacing ungodly thoughts with thoughts that will help you to focus on God. But it all starts in the heart. Okay, that's where God is looking. God is looking to see where are you in your heart? Not what are you thinking about? What are you looking at in your heart? Because that's what's going to drive everything else. 
if you think about if you ever had to commit a loved one um, uh, to, to, to maybe a, a mental institution or to uh, some other place where they can get treatment that you're unable to, 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 to provide for them, what makes that decision so difficult is when you're rationalizing in your mind all the reasons why or all the things that could go wrong if you do it. Oh, if I commit them in there, then they're going to think I hate them and I don't love them. And Well, what about if they can't uh, take care of my loved one the way that I could? Well, the reality is you couldn't take care of them. That's why you're thinking about doing it. But what if they do this and what if they do that? And your mind will start playing all sorts of tricks on you. But when you get to that place of actually doing it, it's because you know in your heart of hearts that it was the right thing to do. You know in your heart of hearts that you don't have the ability to take care of that individual. But somebody else is somebody else does. That's what allows you then to commit to that particular action. When you know in your heart of hearts what God wants you to do, that allows you to commit to him. When you in your heart of hearts have nothing but a burning desire to please God in all that you do, all that you say, everywhere you go, every single interaction that you have with people. If that's truly in your heart, that's what's going to then guide you on what you're going to do, what you're going to say, where you're going to go. Verse three again, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. The Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Everyone proud in heart, underline that, proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Lord, though they join forces, none will go unpunished, okay? Proud keep, pride keeps us from committing to God. Now, we've all heard of like, hey, have some pride in this and pride in that. That, that kind of pride is, 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 is confidence. This kind of pride that, 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 that scripture is talking about is that same pride that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Okay, that pride of I'm better than you or I'm better than God. I know more than God. I can do this. I can do that. I don't need anybody's help. I know how to solve that problem. I don't need to go to God. I don't need to know, go to another child of God, even though God may tell you to go talk to that child of God because they've been there and you haven't and they can share something with you that's going to benefit you. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the way that everybody else wants me to do it, not the way that God wants me to do it. That's proud in heart. And that's an abomination to, 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 to the Lord, as it says in verse 5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, they will uh, join forces, none will go unpunished. Verse 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So again, commitment in the heart will make you depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord... He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That is powerful. When you do what God is wanting you to do, your enemies may not like you, but they can still be at peace with you. Your enemies may still try to come against you, but you're going to have a peace that they don't have. You'll be able to still get along with them. You won't look at every little thing that they do as an attack on you. Have you ever been involved in a situation where you have some people and you're just like, gosh, I really don't want to have to deal with them. I really don't want to have to deal with them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to see them. And we've all have been there. We've all had people like that in our lives. But if we are really focusing on God and in our hearts, we are committed to pleasing him. Then those people that are so-called enemies We'll still be able to get along with them to be able to get the work done that needs to get done. Okay, we'll still be able to get along with them while they go to bed, probably plotting and scheming every single way for you to to fall. And and they're plotting your downfall and they come against you. You'll be sleeping like a baby. You'll be sleeping like a baby. 
You'll wake up, you'll go into the situation, you'll go deal with them, you'll walk away, you'll still be joyful, you'll still be at peace, and they're still going to be, 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 be wrestling around and tri- trying to figure out, why is that not getting to them? Why is it not getting to him? Why is it not getting to her? Why is it not bothering that individual? I just can't. And then they just want to keep plotting and plotting and plotting and plotting. But if our, we are committed to God, then in our hearts, we don't worry about them. We worry about focusing on God and not focusing on our, enemy, on our enemies. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Wow. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. In other words, how much better is your life if you're living a godly life, having very little than living an ungodly life and having much? Okay. God always supplies our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's what the word of God says. He will always supply for our needs. And if we really look at what our needs are versus our wants, we will see that your need list is much smaller than your want list. A lot of times we can say wants are our needs, but in reality, in God's eyes, he's like, that want is not a need. So I'm going to give you what you need. And if you only need five things and that's all you have, that's a whole lot better having those five things that I gave you because you were obedient to me than people that have a million things that aren't obedient to me. Because at the end of the day, all of this stuff you have, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. So where's your eternity going to be? If your eternity is going to be in heaven and you're focusing on God, then don't worry about what you have because God is going to give it to you. If your eternity, if your focus is not on eternity in heaven, well, then you having, according to here, you having vast revenues without justice isn't as good as those that are children of God that have, that have little. Because if we have little, we will always have what we need. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Very powerful prayer with just a few words. Asking God to order your steps will invite him to move in your life in ways you didn't even think was possible. Okay. We can plan things in our heart. We can say this is and God will put that vision into your heart. Here's what I want you to do. Here's where I'm going to take you. But in terms of the execution of that plan, we need to allow God to do that as well. See, God will tell you where you need to go, but he won't tell you how to get there. He won't give you the plan on how to get there because he is the plan. That's why he doesn't give it to you. Because if he gave you the plan, if he gave you the plan, how how many of us would actually stick to that plan? Or would we try to do it our own way? If he outlined and said the next five years, this is what it's going to take for you to get to where I need you to be in five years. And here's what you need to do every single day. How many of us would look at that plan and execute it to a T or look at it and say, Why is this going to take five years? I can get this done in two. Or how many of us would look at that and say, "Um, I don't want to deal with what I'm going to have to deal with in year number two of this five year plan. I got to figure out a way to circumvent that. I'm not. If we knew the the trials that we things we face in our past, if we knew those trials way back before we started walking with the Lord, how many of us would actually follow that? If you knew what was going on, tomorrow in your life, or you know what was coming up next year or 10 years from now, and God laid that out for you day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, how many of us would actually stick to that 
Knowing that we've got some trials and tribulations that knowing that the word of God says that you will have trials and tribulations, knowing that God said he will never leave us nor forsake us. When he tells us to be strong and be courageous because the Lord thy God is with you everywhere you go. How many of us knowing all of those scriptures would still execute the plan according to the way God laid it out if he showed it all to us? Okay. And if we're being real, I think probably all of us would say, no, I wouldn't execute that plan that way. If I knew the, the, the fire that I was going to have to walk through tomorrow to get to where God wants me to be, I'm going to pick something else. That's human nature. All right. But if we ask God to order our steps and ask the Lord to direct our steps, he will tell us how to deal with all sorts of situations. There's so much things happening in the world right now. And it just makes you wonder, has anyone actually consulted God? All of this talk about racism and reparations and all of this other stuff and, 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 and access to the country coming across the board. How many of these people in these positions of authority have actually sat down and consulted God to say, okay, God, how should we handle this situation? How should we handle this? Because if we were to do that, if people in positions of power would actually sit down and bring God into the decision making process, not as a participant just to say, okay, Lord, I'm just curious as to what you would do, but actually to say, whatever God tells us to do, we're going to do it. We wouldn't have some of the problems that we have today. We wouldn't have them, all right? Everybody wants to make some of these issues about being something so complex and, 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 and want to talk about how do I solve race relations and, and, and do all these things around, uh, around treating people with respect and dignity because of, the, because of their color of their skin. It has nothing, it's not complex at all. It is not, there's nothing complex about it. Jesus said to love thy neighbor as thyself. So if I want to know how I fix race relations, I don't start looking to other men to figure that out. I don't start going back and looking at history and drumming up past feelings to get people to react in an emotional way. I sit down and I bring the word of God into it. And I say, okay, God, how do we learn to treat our neighbors as ourselves and to love them the way we love ourselves and to treat them the way that you would want us to treat them and recognize Lord that you are not a respecter of persons. You don't care about how we look. You don't care about the color of our skin. What you care about is what's in our heart. That's what you care about. So how do I focus on that God and fix these problems that are plaguing us as a, as, as a nation? That's how we allow the Lord to direct our steps. And I believe that the reason why many people don't do that is because if they ask God to direct their steps, God is going to take them in a direction that they don't even want to go. Because the response they're going to get back from God is not what they believe their response should be. And we do this as children of God as well. There's times when we won't go to God and consult him on how to handle a situation simply because we're afraid of what his answer is going to be. We want him to say yes, but we know he's going to say no. We want him to say no when we know he's going to say yes. And then we just don't bother to ask him and we just kind of go along and just say, okay, if I don't ask God, he won't tell me to go down the opposite road. And even though I know I should go that way, but this road is so much better. This one is so much more comfortable. This one fits within my routine. If I go down that road, I have to take a whole nother routine. I've got to do something totally different. I've got to see results that I'm not even prepared for. So I don't want to go down that road. I'd rather go down there. No. 
If we are committed to God, then we are committed to God. We are committed to seeking his face for direction. We are committed to asking him to order our steps. We are committed to changing our thoughts to be like his thoughts. When those negative thoughts come in that we can't control, we don't dwell on those thoughts. We rebuke them in the name of Jesus and we replace them with thoughts of God. We replace them with scripture that will get our eyes back focused on God so that we can do what God is calling us to do. So ask God to order your steps and watch how he moves in ways that you never thought was possible. There's a difference between being all in and being interested. There's a difference between being all in for God and being interested. Being all in means you are fully committed regardless of how difficult things might be. Okay, Being all in means you are fully committed regardless of how difficult things may be. Being interested means you will only commit to God when it's convenient for you. That's the difference between being all in and interested. All in for God. Lord, I don't care how troubling this road is going to be. I don't care how much pain and suffering I might have to deal with. I don't care how much sacrificing I might have to do. I don't care how much correction of my behaviors and my words that I have to do. No matter how hard this is going to be, Lord, I'm going to stick to you like glue And I'm going to follow you no matter what, even if it means I have to sacrifice, even if it means I feel like I'm losing. That's what I'm going to do. Being interested means that, okay, Lord, I will follow you, but just don't change this, 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 this and this. Oh, and by the way, don't even ask me to say that. Don't ask me to give this up. Don't ask me to give these people up. Don't ask me to go here. Don't ask me to stay here. As long as you don't ask me to do anything differently than what I'm doing, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and follow you. That's the difference between being all in. And being interested. God calls us to be committed, meaning he calls us to be all in, not interested. So ask yourself, are you all in? Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end in prayer. Dear Lord God, I just want to thank you first and foremost for these words that came forward today, Lord God. And I pray that these words were a blessing to everyone that heard them. Lord God, I pray and ask that you would open our eyes and to the things you are trying to show us, open our ears to the things you're trying to tell us, Lord God, and open our spirits, Lord God, to receive everything from you so that we may be fully committed and be all in to serving you, Lord God. I ask that you would reveal to any, to all of us, Lord, anything that would be keeping us from fully committing into you, committing to you. And ask that you would strengthen us to be able to rid those things of our lives so that we can be all into you and follow your path for us and not follow our own path. I pray that you are blessed by these words and I pray that you remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, Again, we're happy that you were able to join us today and hope this message was a blessing. And if it was, think about sharing it with friends, family and loved ones and even those that may be giving you a hard time. Uh, You can find us at Genesis1.sermon.net and on the website, if you click on the Genesis 1 is one word, by the way. And if when you get to the website, if you click on the subscribe button, you'll receive notifications anytime new content is posted. We can also be found on YouTube at Genesis One Christian Ministries. If you do a search for us in Genesis One, there is two words and you'll be able to see our videos. And we also have an app on the Google Play Store as well as the Apple App Store that you can download for free. So we make all of this content available to everyone for free because we just want to share the word of God without any kind of barriers. 
and it's not God's will for anyone to perish. So we want to make sure that you have access to the word. Well, praise God again. I hope this message was a blessing to you. I pray that you go in full in his full blessings in his peace. And remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God and be blessed. In your prayer.